I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with loads in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week, in the red corner, I got myself a crying, walking, sleeping, talking, living doll. Yes, Andrew McCarthy builds his perfect woman and watches as she comes to life through the power of pass. No idea. <laughs> but here she is here and she's hang gliding from 1987. It's Mannequin. While in the blue corner, it's one half of Barbieheimer, the half currently on its way to becoming the biggest movie of 2023. That's right, the Clash Pod team unplugged ourselves from the studio matrix and went to the actual cinema so we could cover 2023's Barbie. Jonathan Switcher. Wrong sex. Loves to talk to his work. You know, you're the first thing that created and made me feel like an artist. Don't you like a new scarf? He never expected. Not especially. To hear him talk back. I really think I'm going crazy. I am so glad you're working here. I never thought they'd hire anyone stranger than me. You're the only one who can see me like this. To the rest of the world, he's a disaster. You're quiet! And she's a dummy. Can I come to your house tonight? Sure. I don't have anything big planned, just a giant blowout party with all the Barbies and plant choreography and a bespoke song. You should stop by. So cool. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. So is yesterday and so is tomorrow and every day from now until forever. You guys ever think about dying? So it's a living doll duel this week, but which film is better? Let's find out together. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I would love to sink my teeth into your little bottom. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And welcome, <laughs> welcome to mm. only the beginning of the excitement when it comes to mannequin. Bar- Barb and Quinn. Good. Manaby. 
<laughs> better, better. Uh, right then, it is part one of Marna Quinn. Marna Quinn versus Barbie. If you're new to the show, this is how it works. We're going to be doing Marna Quinn today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Barbie on Thursday, at which point we'll declare which is the better film. So the clue Chris gave on my behalf on last week's show was... Mm, uh, for the best, it seems, because my clue was one of these films is on general release. Mm. Yeah. Because your clue wasn't going to work, was it? Was it not? What? No. Really? One of them's wood. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Alex's clue was plastic fantastic. Well, don't, yeah. don't spoil it. I might use it again. But <laughs> who knows? <laughs> who knows? A lot of people thought we were going to be doing Oppenheim versus Barbie, which... It makes a lot of sense. It's upsetting, if anything, because you've been listening for a while, some of you. <laughs> and how, how does that work? How does that connection section work? Every week, two movies with loads in common. What? What? Bomb, bombshell. That's it. And that joke oh, is it. That's, excellent. But that's it. Once you've got past that joke, we're doing Oppenheimer versus Barbie. <laughs> no. Just no. So, uh, did you follow it up on Twitter with I anything? I didn't, no, because no. I, I was enjoying the guesses too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Insidious versus Insidious, the red door was surprising. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's go back to Oppenheimer versus Barbie. Uh, so, your guesses came to life on our Twitter account where we are at ClashPod, also on Instagram and TikTok at ClashPod. If you're in the business for a little extra Clash of the Visual variety, please subscribe to our Clash of the Titles YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button and help us grow the pod. Right, guess wise. Ho, 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 ho. It hasn't been, it hasn't been like this for a while. Okay. One. Correct. Yes. yes. What does that mean, Chris? Perfect. Perfect clues. 100%. <laughs> Fucking A. Right? Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, so, uh, congratulations. Another brand new champion. Great. Not the same as last week, because he wouldn't be brand new then. <laughs> it's Damo, a.k.a. Daydreamer. Well done, Damo. Well done on your first winner, your championship of Guess World. Your prize is to try and tell us, what the hell's going on in Mannequin? <laughs> Just what? Honestly. Uh, connection section then. Living dolls. Pink cars. Uh, mannequin, like the Barbie doll, set feminism back decades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't... You, you, you definitely got this one. Dressing up montages. Oh, yeah. I Both don't have it, but yes, of course. Both of them have dressing up montages. Uh, weirdly, and only because... I say this every 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 week almost. Every movie has a car chase at exactly the same point. <laughs> Gosh, both of these movies, you wouldn't think to look at them, have a car chase. Yeah. Have Good a point. car chase. Good point. Uh, they also have a, a chase involving loads of people trying to catch uh, one person running between counters slash cubicles. Yeah. Yep, excellent. They both become human at the end. Oh, yeah. Yep, excellent. Yeah. Um, and uh, a, a chase where someone tries to go over something inexplicably thinking it would be quicker rather than go around it. Will Ferrell tries to climb over oh, a yeah. barrier mm -hmm. in Barbie and uh, G.W. Bailey decides to walk through a glass countertop which tells you everything <laughs> so weird, yeah. you need to know about Mannequin. <laughs> Uh, any more? No. Right then, let's get into this. So, on Thursday, V will be a Barbie girl in a Barbie world, but will she find a life in plastic that's fantastic? Which means today, Chris gets to unpack the big box of crazy that is 1987's Mannequin. Chris takes on a journey. Based on a true story, 
Mannequin revolves around an ancient Egyptian woman called Emmy, who doesn't look all that Egyptian, <laughs> doesn't want to be married, and doesn't want to be a kept woman. So she appeals to the gods, and they answer her prayers by turning her into a department store mannequin in 1980s Philadelphia. What? Anyway, Emmy becomes muse to a man, which is like being a kept woman, uh, then marries him after he's stolen all her ideas. <laughs> But none of that matters, as it all ends with the greatest song in musical history, according to nine-year-old me. Fact. For your podcasting sure. pleasure. Nothing's going to stop us now. Mm. Mannequin. So, uh, Vicky, when did you first see this perfect movie? <laughs> I've only seen it once before, and I was quite an old teenager, so it was like a student hangover film. Right. I thought it was bonkers, but I found it really comforting, because yeah. it's got all... It just made me feel all those, you know, 80s nostalgia feelings, and I love the song, like you... Always disappointed at karaoke when they don't carry that particular song. Mm. Um, what, we'll carry, to... what karaoke place doesn't carry that song? No, it must was, be a rights issue. Did we try and do we it? We always try. Right. <laughs> I was like, it's here somewhere. I, and it's I, just not. I remember very little about that. <laughs> Which we, is for the best. We could just do it in his kitchen. That's so true. Why yeah. do we never think when, of that when, when we're, we're not doing a photo shoot? <laughs> we're reenacting Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdest we photo think, shoot ever. We think, Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't, it's not even the Blair Witch. Neither of us are in a corner. We're just holding hands facing a cooker. I don't remember that scene in Blair Witch. Face the hob! You could, turn you, around! I think you should let me post that picture because you can't see what you look like. Sure. It's just, every time I see it, I feel weirdly exposed. You can't see either of our faces, but it just says you feel very vulnerable. I honestly dumb. don't know if it was the Blair Witch. I feel we may have forgotten what movie we're trying to do no, I, I think it was me saying do this right. <laughs> that's do, even worse do it <laughs> yeah, post do it. it do it slower um, <laughs> so yeah well, one previous watch for you yes that's correct uh, Alex I've definitely been in a room when this has sure. been on as a late 80s child it was on because I've certainly seen I don't remember the start don't remember the end I remember two things exclusively walking into the second viewing which was weirdly hang gliding I, I remember that and the second thing was failing to understand as a child why Captain Harris from Police Academy <laughs> was no longer funny <laughs> interesting mm. so my I have a very vivid memory of catching the end of film 86 uh, look it up if you're a youngster <laughs> it and, was great and at the end of every episode he would play a clip of a forthcoming film I tuned in just as his clip was playing and went to school the next day to say guess what there's a new Police Academy movie oh, it was you. the sequence at the end when he's chasing them through the department store it could be from Police Academy yeah and so um, yeah I was very disappointed when that film never came out and everyone in my class thought I was a liar yep. at least you made an honest mistake liar liar I, I watched this a lot when I was a kid. I just, I guess we had it recorded from the telly, and it's just well, it was easy to watch. It's so short. It's very brief. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess I was in love with the woman. You like, are a bit in love with her, right? It, yeah, it was formative. So eighty-seven was the year everything changed, <laughs> and, it, and it was thanks to Kim Cattrall in Mannequin, and also Belinda Carlisle who does the song over the opening credits. Yeah. But that was when I was like, oh, hold on, hang on, they're not <laughs> that annoying. This? They're not that annoying. Actually, maybe they're brilliant. I hate them. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I barely needed to rewatch this. I know every beat of this film, weird as it is. Um, so let's talk about the background very briefly. Uh, there's not a huge amount of behind-the-scenes stuff here. Um, the idea came to the director, Michael Gottlieb. Apparently, he was walking down Fifth Avenue, thought he saw a mannequin move. Boom, 
I've got a movie. That's cult yep. for you. <laughs> <laughs> and although isn't there, isn't there, I can't remember its name, there's something with Venus in the title, an old movie that is basically the same as this that he never referenced when he came up with this. Yep. Yep. One Touch of Venus, 1948, a window dresser uh, kisses a statue of Venus and it brings her to life. Mm, weird. Uh, she turns into Ava Gardner. Great. Rock and roll. <laughs> uh, and also there is a, a 1960 Twilight Zone episode called After Hours uh, where a mannequin comes to life and is human for a month. So... Not an entirely original story, but I think the most interesting aspect of the behind the scenes of this is to do with a guy called Joseph Farrell. And I found out some information about him from a New York Times obituary in 2011. He's a marketing man, or as he was dubbed, a meddling numbers bloke. Mm-hmm. Um, his company introduced demographics to the film industry and they came up with the four quadrant theory right. that we often reference mm-hmm. where men and women, boys and girls, 25 above and below. If you can appeal to all four of those, you've got a hit in your hands. Hence the film we're talking about on Thursday, to be honest. Yeah. Um, he's the guy who came up with the happier ending for Fatal Attraction after the test screenings that he put on. So he's had quite a big effect on the film industry. But he was a marketing guy, barely produced, but he decided to produce Mannequin using all of the marketing that he knew at his disposal. And the main thing that he did was cast it off of marketing. Um, he, uh, they did testing with teenage mm. girls, with all these actors, and Andrew McCarthy was the one they liked the most. And so um, the quote is, though not a star, Mr. McCarthy was cast after tests of his movie shows he strongly appealed to girls, the target audience this movie. And he was proved right because the film cost $8 million and made $40 million in the States alone. You can't underestimate the influence of this guy, Joseph Farrell, though. He, le- he, he is the guy who even now, when a movie is focus grouped, he was the originator of that. So all the test screenings that studios do now, they pretty much all came from him. That's amazing. I didn't for, know that. for better and worse. Of course. So yeah, and I guess it feel. I guess thinking about this film, it makes no sense. Yeah, he's but not I a guess writer, he's just I chucked guess, a bunch but, of things. Yeah. Old montage song, good looking man, good looking woman, kiss yeah. at this point, car chase, chase at this point. <laughs> yeah, chase, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, it is. Like it an is. algorithm. But mm. I will say this. I, you know, we'll talk about it on Thursday. But it's been a long time <laughs> since I've been to an actual cinema, not a press screening, and sitting in a packed cinema. And watching what kids, uh, there were a lot of children there, what they laughed at in Barbie was fascinating. And it's the first time I've gone, there's something in this marketing. There's something (laughs) in this test screening stuff. You should learn what they laugh at. And I'll tell you on Thursday, one of the jokes, I was like, how do you even know about this? (laughs) But the real success story was that song, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, uh, written by Albert Hammond Sr. Yeah. um, (laughs) Who's had a million hits, uh, father of the Strokes guitarist, and Diane Warren, who we talk about a lot. Many, many, many Oscar-nominated songs. Has she still not won? I think she won one recently, didn't she? Didn't it finally happen for her? I honestly can't remember. I should have checked that. Um, But it was given to Starship vocalist Grace Slick, who's, who's a rock and roll legend, and Mickey Thomas. And yeah, it was number one in America, in 87 it topped the UK singles charts for four weeks and was the biggest selling song of 1987 because I bought it a thousand times <laughs> uh, but it was nominated for an Oscar a Golden Globe a Grammy and it lives on perhaps as much as the film does if, if, if not more maybe I think maybe a bit more maybe yeah. a little maybe bit more. more I mean certainly you can get hold of it if you want to listen to it which is a bit harder if you're in the UK to find Mannequin um, oh yeah did sorry you... if you had to sign up to MGM yeah don't forget uh, seven days so seven days trial. we should have said that last week yeah. no I bought the DVD it, that, that's not a surprise. That's what you do every week. It was che- it was cheaper. Was it really? Yeah, it was one ninety nine because <laughs> I've already done the trial. So, um, yeah. Anyway, into the movie. Egypt, 
a long time ago, just before lunch. Funny. I was sold on that. I was <laughs> really? like, yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm ready for this. That's a great opening. Yeah. You've got me. You've hooked me in. I don't know why we're in Egypt, and I never will. Um, Kim Cattrall plays an Egyptian called Emmy. Uh, does Kim Cattrall look like an Egyptian? No. Okay. <laughs> Different times, though, right? Doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> no Who one knows? cared. Are we sure what <laughs> Egyptians look like? Well, it's uh, Cleopatra's subject to debate, isn't mm. she? There you go. But this woman isn't Cleopatra. So no. <laughs> Cleopatra got about a bit. I don't know. Is Emmy an Egyptian name? Uh, I've no idea. Not me neither. Probably me neither. not. No, probably not. Yeah. Uh, she dresses up as a mummy to hide from her mummy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, do you think they? Do you think they knew about that? Do you think they realised that was a joke? I, I've no. no idea with this movie. Everything, everything <laughs> is up for grabs with this film in terms of what it knows is funny and what is just chance. She's got no interest in an arranged marriage to a man who sells cow dung. Um, she wants to invent. She wants to fly. Oh well, yeah, she wants to invent. She wants to just hang on to that because that does come back <laughs> yeah. later. Yeah. She's got so, a dream. Yeah, she's got a dream. She's got a dream. Actually, is it we... to be entombed forever? Probably not. No. But no matter. No, her dream is to fly. And we learn later that she did even build a pair of wings at one point. She did. Um, Such a strange dream. To fly? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, for, for this movie specifically. <laughs> yeah. It sort of doesn't attach to anything else. Shouldn't ever. it just be, I live in the castle and my dream is to get out of the castle and then at the end you can go, I've come out of the store. Dream achieved. There are some easy fixes, I think. I think so. sort of amazing. I mean, she's going into an arranged marriage. I really want to see the world. Yep. Why don't you see the world throughout time? <laughs> Amazing! Because we've only got access to a department store at night. <laughs> that has got a hang glider. And, and, so. and some very cheap animators. <laughs> well, yeah, we're getting there. But Mum doesn't think that women can change anything. So Emmy asks the gods for help. Uh, they respond. Mm. Boom, we're into the animated credits. Well, well, let's deal with the fact that we're never going to announce uh, or analyse her, her mother's grief, uh, yeah. which is obviously throughout this film. Her mum has watched her daughter, who she clearly loves, gone. disappear. Gone forever. Never to return, never to have any explanation. I mean, this could be the dissolution of the Egyptian Empire right here. Maybe. Where she goes, the gods are against us. We should no longer worship them. Right, yeah, hadn't thought of it. Guessing marketing said we don't need to see a mother crying for the next five minutes. <laughs> um, so the animated credits, um, I realised that there was there's lots missing from this film in terms of what happens to Emmy between now and, and 1987 yes, Philadelphia. So I went back and watched the credits properly because they are giving you the story. Were you paying attention to what she's been up to? No. Uh, she look, says it at one point. She was with Michelangelo. Christopher Columbus and Michelangelo. So, so I yeah. guess at various points in time... She's been a doll? Yeah. Well, no. that's what they I didn't thought. Have, they didn't have mannequins, but oh, they didn't have mannequins. But I thought when she was like, "Well, I was with Michelangelo," you just go, "Oh, you must have been a sculpture then." No, because he's, not with he's obsessed with a guy called David, as oh, we find gosh. out later. Yeah, she visits Rome. Uh, mm -hmm. She goes to what I believe are the Middle Ages, where some monks see the sunlight and vanish. Maybe I, I don't yeah. know what that bit is. And uh, then we've got Da Vinci. Yeah, then we've got... she becomes the Mona Lisa. Okay. Mm -hmm. We've got Columbus. Columbus. I mean, also oh, she's she... always amused. There's Vikings. From... There's some Vikings. Um, she meets some monsters in a lift. I think there are aliens. So I right because she goes to another planet at the end of it. I right. Think. This is where it breaks down because mm. what this should do it's not chronological, it... is it? Also, it's just mad that they've gone. People will be paying enough attention to realise our exposition. <laughs> our exposition in this movie is this entire animated sequence. I... Which we are going to reference throughout the rest of the movie. I've never, yeah. I've never paid attention to the animated sequence ever watching it. It was only this week when I got to the film. I was like, oh shit, I better watch that. <laughs> right, exactly. Rubbish. So, so let's let's play let's 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 play this movie's game. Let's play this movie's game. Let's 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 okay. let's, let's, let's go on the journey. 
So she's going through time. She's traveling through time. At no point in any of these bits is she a mannequin. She's a muse, no. but she's not a mannequin. Yeah. Then, it, then she goes into either the future or another planet, which would suggest that she can only then travel further into the future. It's not like she's jumping around time like Sam Beckett. She's basically <laughs> traveling further and further into the future. So how does she go into the future and then come back to Philadelphia in the 80s? And also, is that sequence in the animated opening where she's on a conveyor belt and they're building mannequins, is that supposed to suggest how she turned into a mannequin? Mm, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the people who did the animation ever met the people who made the movie. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I wouldn't find too much correlation. Don't try and thread the needle. Because we do end up in Philadelphia today, slash 1987, and we meet Jonathan Switcher. Switcher, I'm a bit obsessed with this. Mm. Is it because he changes jobs a lot in the first 10 minutes? I guess. <laughs> is Perfect. that all it is? No, that's it. That Fine. You figured it out. <laughs> um, he's talking to a mannequin that he's in love with, and he's fired for, doing, for making three or four mannequins a month rather than three or four a day. So we get a job montage. Yeah, yep. he kills a child. Yeah, he, he kills does. a child uh, with the balloon animals. He, he gives a kid a balloon. He flies off. So that kid's dead. Bye, kid. <laughs> um, he's fired for sculpting hedges. He should be trimming. He's fired for turning pizza into art because he's an artist. He's a sculptor specifically. Mm. Sculpted. Not going to come back. <laughs> uh, and then we meet his girlfriend, Roxy. He picks up on a Harley. She's upset that he's lost his job. Um, and then he sees his mannequin in the rain and it makes him feel... Like an artist. Right. <laughs> That's okay. I'm with, I thought by that a bit. I mean, they all basically look the same. That's they, the idea, they, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're homogenised parts. That is racist. <laughs> that Honestly, is racist, not sure. all mannequins look the same. <laughs> you can't say that. But, yeah, I, I was with it. He was... I was a bit... He assembled, he assembled something from instructions. Yeah, the, which him only making three or four a month is kind of impossible because they're poured in plastic and then you screw them together. But <laughs> he's obviously doing something else with them that wastes a bit of time. So well, he does a lot with them later. He does, yeah, he's predisposed <laughs> to doing. That but before sort of he's doing that, we head to Prince and Company, a department store run by Claire Timkin, played by. Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty! (laughs) One of the funniest people in history. Uh, And we get a brief action sequence involving a swinging sign. Did this get your pulse racing, Alex? (laughs) I had to take a moment after this. I literally hit pause. Um, It's intense, the way he goes up. And then there's some uh, exposed electrics behind him. And he gets zapped on his bottom. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he saves her life, so he lands a job at her department store where she's been in charge for two weeks because her dad's dead and she wants to make the store great again. I thought yep. it was her husband who died. I think it's her pervert husband. Uh, pass. He's, I'm sure her husband was in charge. She's quite old. Uh, yeah, I think it's her husband yep. and he died as he wanted to go. Oh, they make the, so many jokes about knickers. In the women's <laughs> underwear department. But then Jonathan Switcher, who's your good guy, he's like, I'm in the knickers bit again. And then he walks in on a lady changing. And because it's 1987, the beat is she's not traumatised at all by that. And he's like, oops, sorry. But he's still lovable. Well, he's looking for his mannequin. In the women's changing rooms. Like I you mean, do. Yeah. you don't, that, Your Honour. <laughs> really? That's not going to hold. That is not going to hold. Isn't he called Switcher because she switches for him? Sure. And not for anyone else? Both answers are correct. Okay. People can be more than one thing. <laughs> yes, they can. Jonathan Switcher can't. <laughs> he can just be a weirdo. <laughs> I think Michael Gottlieb was probably just looking at a light switch while he was writing it. <laughs> Switcher. That'll do. <laughs> um, switch her. Oh, my God, you've solved it. That is what it is. So I was right. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yes, you were right. Uh, Jonathan is introduced to Richards, played by James Spader, giving quite the performance. Big performance. John, he's channeling some John Lithgow from Santa Claus the yes, movie. Yes, I see that. He's he's playing human slime. I think so. It's mad this because this is the same year that Andrew McCarthy and James Spader starred in the Brett Easton Ellis adaptation, Less Than Zero. Ah. It's just wow. I mean, what were they thinking doing this? Just a palate cleanser. I, I guess. guess so, and I, and probably a big paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he gives him a mailroom job where uh, Jonathan eventually doing that job finds his mannequin and he meets window dresser Hollywood Montrose um, who likes that Switch is stranger than him. Um, now, let's talk about Hollywood. I thought this was an offensive stereotype, uh, maybe not helped by being played by someone who I assume was, is a straight man, but... What do you think about Hollywood? I've sort of changed my tune really thinking about it this time. It's hard. You could call it, at, at first, I did that. I was like, oh, stereotypical, like, you know, the, the, the overt campness and the way that he's dressed and that he's sort of, his mysterious boyfriend is like kind of rules him and things like that. But then it does work in that a person like that would be, because of his experience of prejudice, more accepting of Jonathan's real fucking weirdness. Like if you had a straight white person in that role, they'd be like, I'm reporting you for having sex with a doll. Mm. Correct. But someone that's experienced life possibly on the fringes, because it's mm. 1987, would be like, okay, I see you, you're not harming anyone, let's just try and meet you where you are with that. So it works for me now. I agree. It's not his fault, and it's not Meshach Taylor's fault, the actor who plays Hollywood. No. It's the issue is the fact that they don't give him a single funny thing to say, and he's clearly <laughs> meant to be the funny person Yeah, in this. that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think nine-year-old me thought he was very funny. Yes. Really? Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, though, because we, it, this is the mid-80s, and this is a, the, the, the sort of the third character in a, in a big summer movie, and he, he's not hiding his sexuality, he's dressing outrageously, he's discussing his boyfriend openly, um, he's friends with the straight guy who immediately accepts him. Most yeah. of the films at that time, the straight guys would be making horrible jokes. Yeah. But actually, someone does say something horrible, and our hero defends his honour. That's yeah. right. And so, I think it's quite, it's, it's just a very nice friendship that you didn't normally see in this era of filmmaking That's true. sure but who are you crediting there the filmmakers and writers or mass marketing strategy <laughs> that has discovered that in 1987 this was okay and so we will then put it on film maybe i feel so like it was palatable to audiences if they, if they focus group this and they were like great okay we'll carry on mm. they might have changed it if they'd gone oh, we're, we're not here. ready we're not ready no i feel like i feel like they went out on a limb doing that and i i I think it works this time, and at least now you know where that character that Jordan Peele plays in the Gremlins 2 sketch comes from, because <laughs> he's doing Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so we also meet Captain Felix Maxwell, played by G.W. Bailey. He's the night security commander, and he's also Lieutenant Harris from Police Academy. I think we should just call him Lieutenant Harris throughout. <coughs> I, call, I always think of him as Captain Harris, but that was I think that's Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. <laughs> Harris. Yeah. Yeah. I've all my notes call him Harris. <laughs> um, and no, but he comes to Harris. I mean, this is the weird thing. It, it, I, I've never sort of gone. Well, the Police Academy movies. They're they're quite special. They're quite good. Yes, we we did what do that literally on an hour long episode. All right, all right. <laughs> you say that all the time. Okay, okay. I do say that all the time. I'm speaking more generally as publicly. You've never said it. You say <laughs> privately all the time. Wouldn't say it on Sky. Yeah. <laughs> Not to Christopher I Nolan. Say it to Christopher Nolan, who I know, by the way. <laughs> he loves assignment Miami Beach. <laughs> he says the minute Steve Guttenberg left, it got better. <laughs> 
Um, so Harris, uh, Captain Harris, uh, has a dog called Rambo, and they take their job very seriously. Now, you're saying he's not at all funny in this film. Again, I can go back to nine-year-old me. Yeah. That dog was making me piss myself. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a dog. Uh, it's, a, it's an angry dog. Yeah, it doesn't do what he's told. And it's called Rambo. <laughs> I, I was just, I spent a lot of time work, trying to work out stuff. There's a joke coming up where James Spader asks... Captain Harris, if uh, if he if Captain Harris says something like, oh, "I'll write it down," I'll write it down, and James Spader goes, "You write," and Captain Harris goes, "No, but he does about the dog." <laughs> yeah, and you just watch you just watch three people not know what the joke is, but just give it a shot, just give it their best shot. But no one in that room knows what that joke is meant to be. Test audiences loved it. That's the thing. <laughs> the dog can write. Brilliant. It's, it's bewildering. Like he, I, I bless him. G.W. Bailey, I think, is great. I do. I really do. Mm. But what do you do with that? No, but he can. <laughs> he, he gives it his all. There's just nothing there. <laughs> that bombshell. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, Emmy lives. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back and the mannequin's on the move because Emmy comes to life. Yeah. She's pretty chill about it all, but she's I guess... She's really fun. She's basically got locked in syndrome and she's like, that's like, every time she goes, I have to go back in the window, you're like, run! Why? Why do you have to go back in the window? Mm. It's, she's a li- it's a living death. This yes. is what's happening to her. 
What? Yeah, we need we need to, we need some rules applied. She's like here. Alexa and, and, in that she knows to come to life when Jonathan only Jonathan is in mm. the room, which means she has a level of sentience even when she's a doll, which means she's got locked in syndrome. Yeah, which is a living death. I believe though, test audiences didn't like her having the existential crisis, <laughs> so that was removed. They showed the, the diving bell and the butterfly. They're like, we fucking hate that, so don't do it in oh, this. Oh, that's a good film. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll never do it. No, no. <laughs> so we're never going to address why she's a mannequin. Uh, they don't. Exactly, fine. That's fine. It's not our job. (laughs) I mean, I can. (laughs) Screw it. I've got a change. Sorry, if you've got a theory, Al, by all means. No, don't shut your room. I change room. I change. Right, fine. (coughs) So, um, yeah, uh, Jonathan thinks he's having a breakdown. That's fine. He should do. Uh, She takes her clothes off, and then off screen, they create a tennis window. And everybody. Loves it. I mean, someone says that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It, it increases sales to the department store within seconds. I know. The best bit is when the whole board of a multi-million-dollar enterprise is like, "We need to talk about the windows." And then Claire's like, "But if people are looking at the, it's like you've got it, Claire. Come on, you can get here. If, wait, no way. If there are people outside, they're looking at the windows. They will come in the shop." And it's like yeah. that's the whole point. Which would be great if the film could afford extras, but that shop never gets any. <laughs> Busier. And the board There's more like, we need staff. to talk about the windows. Not the fact that the shop is entirely empty <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Someone describes it as art, uh, the window. Yeah. It's a tennis ball going back and forwards on fishing wire. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, th- I mean, maybe have we been spoiled by fantastic <laughs> window displays in perhaps Selfridges on Oxford yeah. Street at Christmas time, maybe, or I'm Hamleys sure, or whatever. Sure, they're getting better as technology improves. Yeah. But I'll be honest, I took this at face value. At yes, the time, course, as a yeah. child, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this is a thing that could happen in the world. And yeah. even watching it now, I'm like, fine. We, obviously, we're analysing it. If I wasn't analysing, I'd be like, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah. They get better. The cycling they one's better, better than the tennis ball. It's actually quite and good. the one where the bus is outside That's the great. shop window, yeah. 3D, I'm, 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 I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan tells Roxy about this. She isn't having any of it, and, and I haven't. I haven't mentioned the subplot. Um, she's being sexually harassed by a European man at work. She sure is. Uh, <laughs> is he European? I think he I think he's supposed to be Italian. He's supposed to be Italian. Italian yeah. I thought he was meant to be Arabic. He okay. is an Egyptian actor. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh shit. And I he's... think he's doing an Italian accent. Is that an Italian accent? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know now. I, I spent quite a long time looking him up because, you know, you know how I feel about my people being represented <laughs> on do. screen. Okay. And I was really... You can have him. You can have him, Al. Armand. And, and how do you feel about him? Is, <laughs> it, is this a positive... <laughs> what do we think? Representation? In 1987. Can I ride you? <laughs> can I ride you? You look foxy. Can I ride you? Hmm? Okay. That's right. That's what he says. That is what he says. No, because yeah. he doesn't. He just, his English isn't great because he's a, he's an immigrant and he's mm-hmm. come here and you know give him a break is what I'm saying. Yeah. Hmm. And then well, wait wait a minute. I blocked that. So she does eventually go and shag him, but he can't get it up. Yep. Is that right? But then he still okay. is angry and blames her for him not being able to get it up <laughs> because that. she's so cold. That's right. She's so cold. She's a cold fish. That's Again, right. Who is this movie for? <laughs> Me, nine-year-old me. You wanted, you wanted a can't get it up joke in a fantasy comedy yeah. romance. Serves oh, Roxy no. right. She's cold. Yeah, she's a bitch. She is evil in this. She flips to Dini. She becomes the main villain. She does. It's a thankless, thankless role. Well, yeah. If do you yeah. want a bit of plot? So Richards is working for BJ Wirt at a rival department store called Illustra, and they're trying to sabotage Prince and Company. It's basically the plot of Thirteen going on thirty. Um. Prince is being sold to Illustra. Yes. But they postpone the sale because Ooh. Windows. Windows. Wait, wait, wait. Ticking clock. Tick, tick, tick. 
Six weeks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Only six weeks, you say? <laughs> oh, I am on tenterhooks. This movie suddenly... More than it, nearly two months. It ratcheted up the tension. By the end of quarter four, we must have solved this problem. Um, so, uh, Switcher is made visual merchandiser, thanks to his success. Which is what I thought he was. But, no, he was din- doing the mail He was in the mail room, room. Right, yeah, got it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get a, a proper... Madness montage. Proper montage. Yeah. Does not advance the plot in any way. They're supposed to be working. They are fucking around quite no, frankly. No, they play some, in, some 80s synths and she dances. They dress up as gangsters, have a dance. He does Phantom of the Opera. They dress up as rock stars. He does some tricks with a hat and she gets in her underwear. <laughs> yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was still in costume when actually the montage had finished because he's wearing bowling shoes and mm. I was like, and a silk scarf and a wool sports jacket. Mm. I mean, if he's it trying... good. I, yeah. What? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I think all those 80s styles look good still. I do. Um, so, yeah, she becomes his muse because, as I said in my intro, that's what every independent woman wants. <laughs> uh, we get the cycling window. Yeah. She asks when she hears some music coming out of speakers, where do they hide all the musicians? Which, again, doesn't help explain how this time travel scenario works. How long has she been asleep? Uh, I thought she'd been into the future or an alien planet. I think a planet, yeah. I don't know if she'd be in the future. I right. think that works. So why? So how long has she been asleep before? A while. Right. <laughs> well, we've had Vikings, Columbus, Michelangelo and Da Vinci. We've not had anything more recent than that. So it stops after that. Okay. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> why it's am I not... looking for answers? We're <laughs> <laughs> reading so much into that animated sequence that the director never even watched. <laughs> it, it really... I just paid too much attention to it. I think I hooked onto it because I was like... God, if I wasn't doing this for the pod, I'd have totally ignored the animated sequence and I'd have missed 90% of this movie's plot. Um, so Maxwell is now working for the baddies he's after. He wants to strip search Switcher. I wonder if he's... Is he closeted? I wonder if that, that was yeah, well. Is that what he's making him, that he, called him, he called him a Mary earlier and that was the bigoted thing he said that he got called out for and then... And G.W. Bailey said that he always felt Captain Harris was a closeted gay man. I think there's a lot of that really. energy there, yeah. yeah. Um, he also calls him a fart blossom. He does. Terrific. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> have you looked it up? It's disgusting. Why would you? Oh, no, it? no, if, if it is, don't it make, don't, is it going to upset people that are listening? Well, I don't, I don't know any more than mannequin. And <laughs> um, what do you think a fart blossom is? I've no idea. You I, just like the turn of phrase. I thought yeah. it was related it to sense. Romantic. Yeah. Done. Let's leave it. Okay. Where it goes you, is unpleasant. You can, you can Google it yourselves if you want to know. The internet is there for you. All right, you. there are two versions. I'll do the <laughs> clean one. A, a fart blossom is where it blossoms out of your hand, having caught your fart and released it <laughs> into someone's face. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a bit of fun. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that's a fart blossom. <laughs> And a cake sailor. <laughs> uh, so, a bit of plot stuff. Switcher's offered a job at Illustri, turns it down. Uh, the baddie's finding with a dummy. There's a fight. Some photos are taken. Emmy hang glides through the store. That's right. Uh, how, how strong is the air conditioning? I thought you need wind for hang gliders. I thought it was on a corkscrew of some sort so that... I don't know why. I thought it was there to amuse the shoppers, perhaps. And that, right, sorry, it's context. to the wall. Co- 
Is it? I think so. <gasps> what? Right. She's just so, flying down free, isn't she? Context. In the... Um, he says no. <laughs> in the Morrisons in Blackburn, when it was built, mm. you know, you make your own fun in Blackburn in the late 80s, and they, for no reason, <laughs> sure. they put in this ginormous clock with a lion and a jungle scene and a monkey and whatever, and at quarter past, it would, like, bing bong, and then on the hour and half past, it would do this display. It was like a giant, giant clock thing, and the lion would move its paws, and if you were in the Morrisons, which was massive, you would go and watch the clock, and so we would go shopping to watch this fucking clock right so i'm used to big shops putting on a bit of entertainment for myself so i thought this hang glider thing was on effectively like a corked a corkscrew pole but, but you'd be able and to it could see fly. that yeah, yeah yeah you would yeah, yeah. those are things <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah. physical object right then but then it doesn't make any sense because how is she flying around the shop Which, and we've come back to where we were a moment ago without Maybe we just cut that bit out a, brief, a brief visit to blackburn morrison's in the late 80s which was pleasant <laughs> i wish you could have seen it alex i wish you could have seen it I, was, I, um, I can i can picture it and i can picture myself going to watch it <laughs> at the uh, at the st john shopping center in leeds there was a big glass case with a, a Heath Robinson style machine in that nice. every half hour moved a bit. Yeah. Bond Street Centre had a giant wooden snake that you could crawl inside as a child right. and go round and then come out the other end. Is that the old fashioned arcade? It's not anymore. They've redone it. Right. Yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> uh, now we get the 3D window, which Alex was such a big fan of, and someone in the movie says is beyond genius. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a success montage where newspaper articles about the crowds and how many people Switcher is attracted to the store make it's front page news. It sure is, Chris. Um, Illustra sales are down eighty nine percent because of this window. Eighty nine. I mean, that's all of your sales. Can you fathom that? Eighty nine percent. It's not just an arbitrary figure. 89. Um, he, they do a sailing window. Uh, he's going for shags with the mannequin. He's made the youngest VP in history. Question. Yes. If he's having sex with her when she's a human mm. and someone else sees her, does it like yeah. close up oh, and no. pop, pop, pop off his dick? <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Mm, right. Because I wonder what are on the pictures Estelle Getty sees. She talks about at the end of the film. Which surely she should make some money for. I mean, she has video footage yeah. of a mannequin coming to life. Yeah. Does she? That's what she's seen. What, what has she seen? <laughs> a lot. She's seen a lot, Chris. <laughs> You can see it. You look in her eyes. Yeah. God, they tell a story. Well, BJ says he's got pictures that could ruin Switcher's life. These he's... are pictures of him fully clothed on top of a wooden dummy. A plastic doll, but that would ruin your life because you're trying to have sex with a doll and, but, and no one's and, but, 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 but I he, don't see... She could have fallen onto him. Yeah, it's not, I've fallen, I've fallen no, onto, I've, lots, I've fallen onto that, lots of mannequins on of in my pictures, time. He's, she's on top of him and he's got his hand like round her bum, so he's trying to like... He was trying so, to pull the panties. My question to you... <laughs> Jesus Christ. My question to you, Vicky, is how would it ruin his life if everyone he works with knows he's going for shags with a mannequin yeah. and think it's great and all wait outside and sort of clap and cheer him. That's a good point. This is, They're yeah. totally down the with it. The public love it, don't they? Yeah, if, it wouldn't affect his life at all. If you're an artist, yeah. you're just an eccentric. That's true. That's what he is. He's eccentric carrying that doll around the store. That beat him. is in the film. That works, isn't it? They're like, oh, let him get on with his craft kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and it, it works because the next window is a photo session. Apparently that's genius as well. <laughs> uh, they dress in black tie now and he takes Emmy out in the town, introduces her to Roxy. She gets annoyed, so agrees to shag her harasser. Go feminism! <laughs> yeah, you go, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's be fair. Roxy is also uh, sexually assaulted 
by BJ as well. Yeah. He kisses her without asking yeah. and then uh, touches her nose. That's my gal. Mm-hmm. But she's the villain, so she deserves it. Right. Uh, Max, well, sorry, Harris. <laughs> Harris dons camo and calls him a prevert. Uh, they have the car chase that Alex mentions where a car gets stuck between two walls. And then <laughs> it's a good, it's a good stunt. I like that. It's and good. Switch her heads back to the store and shags her in a tent. And in they both house. say the L word. In a hammock f- at first, though. Mm-hmm. And then, Impossible. That's what I thought! Yeah. That, I was like, is that even possible? No. no. <laughs> it's not. It's, I, it's not, is it? I you mean, would just I, fall out. I'm, I'm not, I, I've never tried it, but I thought about it you'd for a long time. You'd have to have played the game of the stillest sex you'd ever had. So, ancient Egyptian window, well done, got there in the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, another connection to last week. People promoted to vice president of companies without any skill set required to be vice president That's of the companies. For Don't you. get obsessed with that again. I can't help it though. <laughs> He's just suddenly vice president. I mean, she, she's been there two weeks. She Clearly her husband did it all. And He's so, a maverick. He's turned round the blooming company's fortunes. He He's earned every penny of that. But he hasn't. He hasn't. Emmy has. Emmy has done all this work and he's riding her coattails. Yeah. And she says, mate, they're a team. What does she say? She says, this is exactly where I want to be. Mm. There's nowhere more perfect. She's been on a boat with Columbus. <laughs> she has worked with Da Vinci and mm. Michelangelo. This is better. This is it. Working just... at night in a department store, posing on an ironing board, yeah. pretending to surf. And only a bit, because then she has to be entombed in plastic. Yeah. She's not even alive for most of the time. And while she's entombed, she's stolen by Richards and, and Captain Harris um, while Switcher is asleep. He wakes up naked in the store to much applause. Why are they clapping? I, I think I'd get sacked for this. <laughs> Also, you would. Chris. Can you now sell those coats if they've been covered in dick? <laughs> His dick's rubbed on all of them. This is where someone goes. It's art. It's like a, I mean, it's just like we're playing fast and loose with what words mean in this film. <laughs> by this point, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and this is art. It's a man asleep, naked in the store, under merchandise. Art. Art. Mm. Uh, Switcher bursts into a lustre, punches Richard out. Well done. There's a department store chase, the one that confused me into thinking this was a police academy when I was nine. Uh, Maxwell now has a German shepherd called Terminator. Right, so they killed Rambo off screen. This is unbelievable and unforgivable. Even I was upset by it. It's like, how, what, why? It's just unnecessary. They should have just kept the old dog but given him a fancy new collar because he's got a promotion. That's what sure, I would have done. Exactly. Why is Rambo dead? Unless... Emmy had something to do with it because Rambo is terrified of Emmy and we're never sure why. He disappears off and comes back yelping. Mm. So maybe, I don't know, maybe when a dog looks at Emmy, she doesn't turn back into plastic. She stays human and kicks dogs. (laughs) It's not plastic. Oh, sorry. Is it really? Yeah. Are you oh, sure mannequins are made of wood? I don't think they're made of these wood. One, these ones are wood. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> they make so How many... How deep a dive did you go on about this movie? No, there's about three jokes in it about having wood. Right. Oh, is there? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad joke, actually. What shall we call our kid Pinocchio? That's all right. Yeah. Okay, yes, yes. Yep. yes. So uh, Switcher takes out ten security guards. Roxy does the worst run I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> so she can incinerate Emmy. Um, Hollywood saves him with a hose. He gets his big hero moment. Mm. Andrew Hill Newman shows up as compactor room janitor. Yes. Uh, he comes out of the loo doing his trousers up. Um, so she comes to life and he... They turn the machine off just in time to stop her being killed. Um, quick question. Why does Roxy get covered in rubbish from above for no clear reason? Well, it's the shredder. <clears throat> so presumably the chute is above the shredder because the rubbish would be shredded. 
Right. So it's just the shredding room, I think. But none of that rubbish travels up the conveyor belt. No, it does. It misses, doesn't it? Yeah. Completely, in fact. It hits her, <clears throat> yeah. and it, it's about 10 feet away from the conveyor There's belt. near it. That would shred it. <laughs> yeah. but maybe that's why compactor room janitor is there. Do a part of department stores have giant shredders in I their basement was, I, would, I wanted Maybe. to believe it you've got a like, lot of oh, stuff yeah. to get rid of yeah. a lot well, of rubbish you can't just put it all out on the street can you lots of rubbish do we enjoy um, do we enjoy Hollywood with the hose yeah I did yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you like the fact that he's just improving and saying nothing that has any relevance <laughs> yeah. to anything to do with this movie I, I, I was projecting a lot I felt quite cathartic because I imagined a man like that in that time might have been hassled by the police at some point or, or authority or whatever so he was like getting his own back on these people that had maybe made his life more difficult doesn't really go on long enough though does it <laughs> could, could go on longer. You think so? Even lo- well, it's in this unhappy place where it's neither short enough to be funny <laughs> or long enough to come back round to being funny. It's this awkward length where it just sort of goes on a bit long. It's quite repetitive. And they're clearly saying to Meshach, going, anything else, just improv. Say anything. Anything else. Anything. Is there a script? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> we came off the script a long time ago. Um, compactor room janitor sees Emmy come to life and starts kissing mannequins to try and find Zed. <laughs> Quite a good joke. Uh, he the, finds Roxy yeah. and it's a miracle. The third person to sexually harass Roxy. Oh, yeah, yeah kisses her against her will, Bloody uh, hell. which I'm told we don't do anymore, so that's bad, I guess. 60% of the single men in this movie assault Roxy. Yes, they do. <laughs> Uh, Emmy's revealed to everyone as the villains are trying to kink shame our hero uh, and fail. Uh, Claire shows up with the CCTV footage uh, of the villains doing grand theft conspiracy kidnapping. She's got them. Matt, uh, Captain Harris just keeps saying, she's the dummy. She's the dummy. It's very Harrison that he's, they, they, the heroes have driven him mad. Um, and then all the baddies get arrested while the janitor tries to kiss more dummies. I'm only keep bringing him up because he returns in Mannequin 2. Mannequin on the move. Mannequin on the And he even gets a name. The character gets a name, Andy Ackerman. They were like, he's who we need back. <laughs> what a start. Forget Kim Cattrall. And so finally, we get a wedding window. I quite like that. They get married. And yeah. this is where we hear, nothing's going to stop us now by yeah. Starship. On a freeze frame. Yes. Not a very good freeze frame. On a ship with Columbus. Saw Michelangelo. Happy to get married in a store window. I just don't think the three marry up. <laughs> I, think, I think you've seen and done bigger things than getting married in well, a department store. You haven't done anything. You've window. witnessed men doing stuff, <laughs> which is also a little bit of a gap on your CV. She split up from Columbus because she told him the world was round. Right, yes. Which is a myth in itself <laughs> that he was even trying to prove the world was round. No, he wasn't. No. <laughs> right, let's do the questions. Uh, Vicky. So I don't really like it when any other characters are in it. I, do, I think this film is fucked up, and it, but it's best when it's just the two of them. So even though it's doesn't advance the plot it's the weird dressing up dancing montage me too <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the dressing up montage I want all those clothes I yeah. want to hang out with them yeah uh, Alex um, well I quite like the travelator scene at the end right. the conveyor belt thing but only because I was like oh it's a bit like Toy Story 3 that's good yeah um, <laughs> But no, I, I think I like the fact that it has a similar structure to Paranormal Activity. And I'm ex- I was genuinely excited to see what the new window would be at the end of every night. You know, like Paranormal Activity, it's like, what's going to happen tonight? It mm. resets. It's the same space, but something different in the space. Yeah. It was like that. I got quite excited about those windows. 
I mean, I was wrong to her. They were all shit. But <laughs> at the time, I was looking forward to one big finale window, which I guess is the wedding. Yeah. yeah. It's I, the best window ever. I yeah. like the structure, even if it consistently disappointed me. All right, what's your most valuable whatever, Alex? Uh, Andrew McCarthy. I honestly think he manages to make what is fundamentally a really troubled man quite <coughs> likeable. And I really like him in St. Elmo's Fire. So that's kind of really why. Another another film, like Toy Story 3 for The Last Dancer, <laughs> St. Elmo's Fire. I like the fact that in St. Elmo's Fire he bought a coffin to sleep in because he thought girls would find him cool because he was a bit weird, which was my teenage years. So <laughs> I really like Andrew McCarthy. He wishes. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I had a monster lab. No, I didn't. Shut up. What? 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 What's that? I didn't say anything. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds cool. Right? Exactly. It was oh, wait, cool. What? Did you put a little sign on your bedroom door and put that monster said monster lab? lab. <laughs> Were you and eight? Then the I way. set up a chemistry set and I always wore a white coat when I was in my bedroom. No but girls. no one can see you do no, that. Know, the I girls know. can't see you. Well, I know they can't. How did, you, why did you have, how did you get a white coat? How do I get a white lab coat? Yeah. Great question. For an eight-year-old, I presume you were eight. I'm 16. <laughs> Just say yes. Yes. What am I answering? Did you, did, you notice, did you notice the sign on his bedroom door last time we were over? Oh, dear. Keep out. Alex is rude. Andrew McCarthy is my answer. Who's next? Me. Oh, yeah. Vicky. Uh, Kim Cattrall. But she's tied with the song... Because the song's amazing. Yes, <laughs> what my two answers are. I mean, Kim Cattrall is the most valuable to me personally. Sure. Although, when I went into school... She just doesn't know yet. When I went into school and told everyone else about her, uh, I got bullied for it. I remember Matthew Owen kept saying, Oh, Chris loves Kim's a troll. Chris loves Kim's a troll. Well, the last laugh is on him or on you, whichever way around it is, mm. because she's a fox, obviously. Not a troll, is she? No. 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 Shut up, Matt. Got, got you back, mate. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Onion. Yeah. He used to call him Onion because his last name was Owen. Cool. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not that far from a troll, from Katral. <laughs> I think that's so, cleverer, uh, actually. Yeah. Kit, yeah. Kat, Kit Kat, there was Matthew Kittridge. Anyway, um, it was just not good. Yeah, uh, ball, the Solly. Borley, don't forget Borley. <laughs> Hi, Russ. He will be listening. Hi, Russ. Um, <laughs> never met a first... No, never met a surname he couldn't turn into a nickname. <laughs> hey, I like calling Russell. He insists on being called Borley. Right. Anyway... The most valuable whatever is the song. Yes. Um, change. What would you change, Vicky? Here we go. You're going to like this. Are you ready? Yeah. Being turned into a doll shouldn't be wish fulfillment because it's not, because <laughs> it's a living death. It should be a punishment. So she's gone too far. She's trapped in the castle, not castle, Egyptian palace. And she's like, I'm going to leave. And her mum's like, you will incur the wrath of the gods. And she's like, no, I won't. And then she does. And so her arc is something else other than this. But obviously being a doll is not a reward. Being a doll is a punishment. So make it into a punishment. And then she has to leave him and go and do her own thing. It's all set up. She says to him, you need to learn to be on your own, Jonathan Switcher or something. And he's like, yeah, cool. Or we could get married and you could weirdly say, you need to love me forever. Red flag. Big red flag at the end. So yep. she has to leave him and go and do her and go and I, invent look, things. I, I'm with you because my change is this, this needs to be some kind of a curse. And it needs to be a ticking clock. So you're a manic- you'll turn into mannequin forever unless Something. dot, dot, dot. And obviously in the fairy tales, it's fine, true love. Yeah. In 1980s rom-com, it's probably fine, true love. Yes. Or we could come up with something else. But it has to have Nick some wins. kind of tension to it. Yeah. Hang glide. Hang glide. Down yeah. a hole. On, on a corkscrew. On a corkscrew. <laughs> yeah, an invisible corkscrew <laughs> like in Morrison's and Blackburn where... 
Vicky first took LSD in the late eighties. <laughs> uh, mine's not that dissimilar to yours. I think we've got plenty of external threat. BJ, Felix, aka Captain Harris, Richard, Roxy, all mm. of these external threats. We need some internal jeopardy for this relationship because when she finally can be a human in front of other people at the end, you're like, what? So there needs to be an idea that they. This was this was a kind of punishment, perhaps not exactly what you're saying, but the idea that she didn't want to live out her days at night in a department store. <laughs> they wanted to maybe go out and see the world in front of other humans. And so you need that. It's like, it's not going to work. You need to leave me. Go out, live your life, da-da-da-da-da. And then, whoa, actually everything's okay for some reason. Sure. Perfect. Lovely stuff. Great. We're really? done. That's it. But I'm following up with a clash queue. Mm. So, a few weeks ago, I put on Twitter... What are your favourite needle drops in the oh, movies? Oh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> you didn't know. You didn't know. You can't look yeah. So I'm just going to list some that our listeners chucked us. I'm, There's so many I'm good really ones. Really here. excited. Okay. Um, stuck in the middle with you from Reservoir Dogs. Lovely. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, one I wasn't expecting here. This woman's work by Kate Bush from two different movies. She's having a baby and a man called Otto. Beautiful song. Don't know them. Don't stop me now from Sure on the Dead. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, liking that one. I do. Yeah, I was on the set when they were shooting that, and you thought on that day this is going to be one of those scenes. You know, you just thought this is going to change the trajectory of this song. Watching them beat the shit out of a man <laughs> with pool cues in time to the song. Um, Hallelujah in Watchmen. Uh... Oh, I've got one. One of mine. One of mine's is that Snyder one. Uh, I think the correct answer is Hallelujah in Shrek. <laughs> and the times they are a changing in Watchmen. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the cover of God, you know, when he's having the mud wrestling match. Uh, I think it's a cover of a Pat Benatar song. I can't remember. Who Hit me with it. your best shot. Uh, no, that that's would make a sense. Great wouldn't it? song though. Yeah, and that would work yeah. in a wrestling match. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Bittersweet Symphony in Cruel Intentions. Oh. God, I forgot all about that. Never liked that song, but it works really well in that movie. Yeah. Although my memory from that one is always the placebo song. Oh God! I was. Do you know weird? I was listening. I listened to those first two albums back to back yesterday for no reason. I was just like <gasps> straight back there. Good stuff. Yeah. I was listening to them back to back because of the Clash Q, Chris. Because <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> we got some more good ones here. Lust for Life, Train Spotting. Of course. Hello. That's a way to start your film. Uh, you could be mine. Terminator Two. I don't remember what bit that happens in. I don't. It's when he's walking down the corridor and he's got the gun hidden in the roses. Oh, of course. Guns and roses, of course. <laughs> Great. Fucking that, cool. It works as well. All right. It does. <laughs> well done, Jimmy C. And it's written for the movie. It doesn't always work well when they do that. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about Goodbye Horses in <laughs> Science of the Lambs? That's on my list. Is it? I fucking love it. I love it. I love it. I told you, remember when you came to my 40th birthday party and I fucked up the playlist and at some point someone was like, if I have to hear Goodbye Horses any more times, I'm going to leave. And I was like, it shouldn't even be on there, I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) But it just was on on a loop. What kind of party is this? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) A mistake, but I do love that song. Vicky, where did you get the full-length mirror and why have you brought it into the living room? (laughs) You look beautiful. (laughs) Do you want to chuck uh, some of yours out, Vicky? Yeah, you Ready, ready, ready. Yeah, so yeah. I split it into two sections. The uh, it's best needle drops in Martin Scorsese films, okay. and then in everything else. The next one is one of those. So obviously, the best needle drop ever, 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 ever is 
as far back as I can remember. <laughs> I always wanted to be a gangster. And then yes. into um, Rags to Riches. That's the first one. Layla, the last bit of Layla at the end of Goodfellas. Next on the list from one of Perfect. our listeners, Layla Piano. Uh, mean Streets Be My Baby. Amazing. I'm nearly, I'm nearly done. Uh, we talked about this the other week. We talked about the rat. So um, I'm shipping <laughs> up to Boston in The Departed. I fucking love that. I love it. That's I remember the, that. That's the oh my God, Murphy's. the dropkick. Remember when it yeah. starts and the rat's like, it's oh, okay. just, fuck me, it's amazing. We need to do that, don't we? And then I've got two more, but you'll have one of these so I want so the other one is one in Magnolia that's just lovely like different energy you know one is the loneliest number mm, and it's yeah, just yeah, it's yeah. so nice that's it okay so the one that I've got that you think I've got is yeah. uh, where is my mind yes. at the end of Fight Club yeah that's, that, to me that's one of the greatest and the other one that I was trying to find on my next phone next on the list where is my mind from Fight Club yes <laughs> uh, the, ne- the one that I was trying to find on my phone is the it's it's um, the uh, the title sequence from the Dawn of the Dead remake it's the Johnny Cash song when the man comes around that's oh, the one, yeah. yeah when the man right. comes around it's, that is if the it's one Johnny of, Cash just ask me dude it's one of the greatest title sequences of any film in history that that's how you do it. In, yeah. fa- in fact, it basically is the animated sequence here, but done right. Yeah. It was so nice, though, putting this out there. And so many of our listeners, uh, or followers on Twitter, were just putting ones, sending ones in that were on my list. So I took them off. Uh, Killing Moon from Donnie Darko. Yeah. That's a big one for me because that got me into a band mm. that I was never into. I and and, and the same with Where Is My Mind. I wasn't into the Pixies mm. until I, I saw that and heard that. Um, I got you, babe, from Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. I'm doing a hard disagree here because it made me dislike a song that's quite good. Because you had to hear it so many times. Yeah. yeah. It spoke the song. Yeah. Um, it doesn't give you that same, like, these ones that I love is because you can feel like you, there's something, it moves you in your body, it moves you in your brain, and you just appreciate everything you're seeing on a different, like, like you want to, like, the, especially I'm um, shipping up to Boston, you're watching that and you're like, oh my God, and you think you're going to move, and it's just, it, that feeling is unbelievable. Like, and I can't, I find it, like, and the Rags to Riches one, I think about that about four times a day. Mm. It's just so perfect. And, exactly. it, and it, it bookends it so well as well with Johnny Rotten doing my way at the the end with him with him calling it a day as well and uh, don't forget uh, Eastbound and Down by Jerry Reed from Smokey and the Bandits that's one of the <laughs> you can have that because that, uh, it's brilliant I've only got a handful left so there's a couple of Guardians were sent in come and get your love it works really oh, well doesn't it yeah. with him dancing at the beginning and we, and we get a reprise of that of course uh, the other day when we were doing Avengers uh, and Mr Blue Sky from Guardians 2 yeah I think it's better in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind yes, maybe I, uh, I think your Smash friends um, use that song in their spin class do they yeah I think that's the message it's been a while since I went to these messages but I've got that written down that's amazing uh, a random one but a good one Free Bird from the Devil's Rejects mm, do not like that, that film but that is a very powerful sequence certainly better than its use in Forrest Gump where she's thinking of jumping because she wants to be a free bird. Oh, yeah, that's bad, yeah. Um, Power of Love, Back to the Future, a bit like You Could Be Mine where it was written for the film and it just works brilliantly and it works as a standalone song. And then the two that were probably my picks and then people wrote them in. It was great. In Your Eyes, Peter Gabriel, Say Anything. I've even got a blooming doll of him holding up that stereo. You love that. I love that. I love that moment. (laughs) I love that song. I find it creepy so I don't like it. I got another one. Uh, the minute funky shit by the prodigy kicks in at the end of Event Horizon. Bosh! <laughs> can't end on a bad note. That's a great needle drop. And All right, one... how about Stand By Me at the end of Stand By Me? Beautiful. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one that I couldn't believe someone wrote in with, because I was going to end with it, uh, someone three cubed wrote in and said, Danny Boy in Miller's Crossing. Hell yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's probably my number one. 
So, uh, yeah, great, great needle drops. Love it. So, loved it. Great. Love it. And a bunch great. of movies I want to do now because we've briefly touched on them. Great Clash Q. Great <laughs> Clash Q. All right, that is us done with Mannequin. Let's look ahead to next week. And they are Vicky's choices next week. So Vicky mm-hmm. has a clue for us right now. <clears throat> I'm excited. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> <laughs> 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 I always think that. Uh, okay, you ready? Yep. <laughs> These films. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Is the laugh part of the clue? These no. films. These films. <laughs> I can't do it. Wait. Oh, no. These films. <laughs> Just, I hope sorry. it's very simple. Cut, cut all this out. Mm. All right, sorry, concentrate. These films are all about authority. <laughs> These films are Paul about authority. I like it. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. I like it. I love it. In fact, that's brilliant. Yeah, in your arbitrary judgment system, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. It just depends on how close we are to an hour. If we've got a fill, maybe not brilliant. We never have to fill. (laughs) Uh, All right, then. That is it. These films are Paul about authority. Very good. Very good. Uh, We will be back on Thursday talking Barbie and seeing which film will be victorious. Until then, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and everywhere else. Till Thursday, have a great week. Bye-bye. Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.